All right, guys, welcome back to Property Profits Podcast. I'm your host, Bryce Kaminsky, filling in for Dave Dubois. He's working on the next big thing. A lot of people will get into flipping and they'll be doing flips and they're loving the cash flow and, and they're loving the, you know, the, the, the kind of like the day to day of doing it, but they never really invest in the industry itself. They're kind of in their own pocket. And today on the show, um, I've got Andrew here and he, is here to tell you that you got to get you know you got to get into the business to stay in the business. Andrew, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. I really like what you were saying before we we jumped on the call here is that like people can participate in real estate with never actually participating in real estate. Do you see that a lot in in Ontario cuz in Winnipeg, you know, we're pretty close, you know, pretty close knit. There's not a lot of people and after a while, you kind of know everyone, but you can go into real estate and never actually know any of them. And there's, I know people who are, who do lots of deals and they're just, I don't even know who they are. So there's some people who participate, some people who don't. What's the benefit of participation in your opinion of, of the real estate market? Well, I mean, you, you get an in-depth understanding. A lot of people, uh, they try to increase their network by going to networking events, right? Mm -hmm. And that is one way to, to get into a room with people who know stuff, but really, how do you how do you sharpen your steel, so to speak? It's kind of like people who go and they're interested in like let's just say fighting, like martial arts, and they go to they always go and watch the game, and they go with people who are like minded. But there's nothing like you know getting into the ring yourself and participating. Whether you're a ref, whether you're a trainer, whether you're somebody who's going to the same gym as all these guys, you gotta somehow get into it. So real estate's the same way. I think people people don't realize often the advantage that you gain by simply participating and you'll be surprised there's guys out there who i know started off mowing lawns and they're mowing lawns for landlords and then one day you know after enough of a relationship builds up they end up doing something together maybe he's participating in a small capacity but maybe it eventually grows to something bigger the thing is that you never know but if you just stay on the sidelines you, mm -hmm. it's going to be a slow process yeah it's kind of like when you mentioned the networking event i was thinking well Lots of people go to networking events, especially like first time uh, investors. They're trying to like figure out whether it's for them or not. And I always say like, if you meet someone, like don't spend the whole night talking to them, get their contact information, take it into the real world offline and, you know, participate. So how, how did you get started? You know, at a networking event, people shaking hands and say, oh, well, how did you get started in real estate? So tell us the story, how you got started and ultimately... Uh, how you got addicted to this game yeah no um so i i would love to be able to say that yeah you know i just i saw this as the vessel of opportunity and i just drove for it but that's not really the case the reason i got into it is because my mom told me to and she was looking out for my best interest and it's as simple as that um but she told me to and she had me leverage my strengths which uh, my family my, my father was running a construction company and mm -hmm. i was working construction with him and I learned a lot of stuff. I learned how to do a lot of uh, various uh, trades. I learned uh, how houses were built. And I had an understanding of it. So when my mother started going to Rich Dad Poor Dad seminars, if you remember those back in the yeah. day. They come through yeah. town, the traveling circus, yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So those, those guys, you know, the, at the time, you know, they, 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 had, they would really inspire people. My mom was so gung-ho about this. So she's just like, hey, you, just finishing high school, you know, I have a great idea of something we're going to do. Let's go do this. And she helped me buy my first property in Hamilton, which at the time was a total like 
no one touched Hamilton, right? Like yeah, you have to be off the radar completely. Like only in the last like maybe five or seven years did anyone like start t- paying attention because Hamilton was kind of like the western you know the southwestern ghetto of toronto right and yeah not to hamilton's a great place really interesting but that's how people were perceiving it It wasn't like sexy at all no exactly right but you know what's the thing about price points and sexy sex is expensive right you're not getting a good deal right so that that was the whole thing is that the prices of uh, property is kind of like you know it's cheaper than everywhere else it's still a lot cheaper than everywhere else and sometimes she would say that people are not satisfied to invest in something until it's expensive Mm -hmm. and i was like okay i guess i'll just follow it but i reaped the benefits she helped me get into a property then and i was it was a dump don't get me wrong like me and my brother had to go renovate the hell out of it and it, it, it turned we turned it into a little gem and uh like it, it's the these opportunities are still there relative to let's say properties in toronto people are yeah. always talk about for example how am i supposed to afford a property in toronto it's like maybe you can't right but i couldn't always afford a property but uh that but i make concessions and i bought a property i could afford in the beginning based off of like my own circumstances you can't uh, say, yeah, I want to be able to live here and then not be willing and, and then have no means to actually acquire it. But, you know, the, the thing that I didn't realize back then was that uh, getting into real estate, getting into uh, distressed properties, because that was the good deal. Mm-hmm. Um, it got me uh, working. It got me talking to realtors. It got me uh, talking to uh, co- other trades. It got me talking to other landlords. And uh, there was relatability there and there was networking. I didn't know that that's what was happening. And uh, one thing led to another. You had to. Exactly, right? And, uh, and and you just start picking up things. You start to meet paralegals when you have rental property, if you have bad tenants. You mm-hmm. start to meet people who are in landscaping. And if you have a question, you just call somebody. You know when people say that, any question you have, the solution is is no more than one when than one contact away. Like mm-hmm. you call somebody who knows someone who knows somebody, right? And you could always do that, and you only really figure that out as you start to work with people. So, I got started by buying one property with the help of my mother, and I got into house flipping simultaneously because it just everything lined up, and we had the background for it. Mm-hmm. And on my first deal, I made. $40,000. And I was a kid. I was 18 years old. $40,000 mm, my first rich. house flip. I was like, 18. I am never going to make more than this amount of money ever again <laughs> in my life. That's it. You know, yeah. I peaked. Right. Yeah. But I, but I didn't know. Right. And, um, and that was, uh, that was life-changing money for a lot of people today. It's still life-changing money yeah. for a lot of people. Right. So, for me, that was that was the that was the pivoting point. That was the catalyst moment that was like the aha. Uh-huh, okay, my yeah, mom's I not just getting you mean scammed. I can do this. Yeah, the whole like, yeah. That works. It's not just HGTV. exactly. Nope. Right. So uh, from there, everything just cascaded into a series of events. I started actually going to these networking events with my mom, and I was this. That was the youngest person in these networking events, feeling yeah. like. You know, everybody's listening to these guys spit these uh, things about real estate. There's a lot of American stuff, so uh, you had to really, um, you know, uh, transcribe it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so it wasn't always so ideal, but it was definitely 
effective. I learned all kinds of stuff. And the thing about American real estate actually is that American real estate teaching is very much in the gray. Mm-hmm. A lot of it falls into so much gray, especially when they when they talk about creative financing, because creative financing for them is very creative. Like we think very we can do creative different. financing here. Yeah, Americans are creative with their financing on a whole other level. Yeah, I had a call with a guy earlier on the podcast where their his whole business is uh, writing mortgages and getting people to invest in those notes, and then he sells the notes. So he's like a landlord of mortgages nice like i don't think we can do that up here but i'm sure now that if someone's listening to this episode they're going to go to try to figure it out because it sounds like you're making fistfuls of cash and you're definitely right about the american information coming up over the border and that was really prevalent in like 2010 to you know like rich dad poor dad will come through or fortune builders and all those people come through and you'd be like it sounds good i'm excited but does it work here at home Mm -hmm. uh not not always you know the, the game is definitely different uh, north and south of the border but there's money to be made in, in both positions so do you still own that house in, in hamilton oh yeah it's a little sentimental a little yeah, sentimental so i don't want to get, get rid of it you're waiting for the equity to really blow up at, in hamilton which it kind of has like what year did you buy that thing oh geez uh so 2005 yeah so like uh yeah like uh almost 20 years ago like 15 years yeah, ago yeah. so it's a long time so it's definitely worth a little bit more than what you paid for it. Definitely a pretty penny more, yeah. Yeah, because I remember Hamilton Hamilton really pivoted in like 2016, 2017, where Toronto got bought out and it kept pushing investors further and further and further out. Now people are driving to like, you know, even Oshawa felt that and like it started pushing further and further out where people had to drive. I would say like, oh yeah, drive three hours to find a deal uh, if you live in Toronto, right? And Hamilton is like, right around the corner so when you look at it that way it, it definitely makes sense so what as someone who's working in the in in that you're still working in the ontario market in that area yeah yeah i'm still i'm so we're still investing here i mean we we do dabble in things that are further we're currently looking a lot into u.s investing with our current network um mm-hmm. and specifically where we're we're evaluating texas um yeah. but there's always opportunity where you are and especially for people who are jet for either getting into it or they are into it and they're trying to expand, uh, people get distracted by shiny objects, right? And mm-hmm. you start to look at other places. Like people look at Alberta and they're just like, hey, Alberta's great because it's landlord friendly. And people start to yeah. look at the states because evictions are faster, maybe, or, you know, it's just properties are cheaper. Yeah, you know, and like those are all valid, valid points, right? Um, but the thing is that uh, there, there's a comfort level that people have to overcome. And there's also, um, there's also a matter of a lifeline and familiarity. Like you do not need to be close to your property in order to own a property. Mm-hmm. You don't. We we understand this. However, that is a comfort that you have to cultivate. Yeah, definitely. So and and so like I don't fault people for just saying like oh I, pre- I would prefer to buy something closer by. It's like okay, yeah, yeah. everybody. As you talk to people, you realize that everybody goes through the same stages of growth. They tend to buy properties close by, then go a little bit further, and then go further and further and further as they grow on scale. It's sort of the natural progression of yeah, They kind of uh, want to touch growth. the first one, right? They want to put their hand on the building and be like, yeah, this one's yeah. for me. They're like the house whisperer or something. But, you, you know, and it's interesting you say that because as you step up through those things, you do start looking at it as... Um, 
bricks and sticks and you look at the dollars and the the cap rates and you're like yeah i mean with property management i could have a house in kansas city for xyz and you know it's that comfort level of you know being okay with it being that far away whereas a lot of times the first investment that you're ever going to make is probably in your backyard or a house hack or something like that like it doesn't have to be fancy it doesn't have to be in texas or in florida it can be in uh you know Sudbury or something like it could be wherever you are you just you know there might not be the volume you want or stuff but it doesn't mean you can't do your first one and I think breaking into the market is is kind of like your story of your Hamilton property you can really get that aha moment once you enter the simulator the game a new player has entered the game and now you're playing this thing and it's real it's like you got to call the insurance company and you got to go and sign those documents and the lawyer's waiting for you and Mm -hmm. it's real now it's real it's not just like uh, the analysis paralysis simulator. So now that you're that you're at this point in your career here, what what is it that primarily you know occupies the the part of your day that that's making money for you in this economy? Uh, so we did recently, actually, well, recently, a couple of years ago, um, start to dabble in the social media area. We never mm-hmm. like my business partner and I, Ping. Uh, we never uh were about social media things we uh we we were proud that we didn't have instagram accounts right Mm -hmm. like this was like uh, the type of people we were um but we realized especially after the pandemic happened how social media was your only lifeline Mm -hmm. to pretty much anything so we we hopped into it and then realized that um there was an avenue for us to network like we haven't before so for us uh our scaling point and the natural growth of where we are going seems to be uh, pivotal on a network, on a growing network. So far, the best people we have ever met, we have worked with. And the best people we have ever, the best people that we have today that we work with, uh, they we didn't hire them. They mm-hmm. came through some kind of collaboration yeah. and partnership. And they effectively came to us. Like an and attraction, so to, right? Yeah. You're attract, you attracted them with what you were doing. And they're like, I want to be in that, you know, I want to be around these guys. Yeah, exactly. And uh, today what we're, we're doing is we're doing a lot of, uh, we're showcasing our projects, right? We're showcasing our house flipping. We're showcasing uh, the, the properties that we burr. We're showcasing how to deal with problems. Like we try to help people learn about real estate and understand what it means to be a landlord specifically in Canada, even for when we start to do it ourselves, uh, what it will mean for Canadians to be investing in the U S you know, a lot of people disseminate this type of information, but we want to make sure to disseminate it in a way that that can be taught. You see a lot of people can be good real estate investors, Mm -hmm. but understanding how to teach people is a whole other thing. And it's like the Wayne Gretzky effect, like great hockey player, the results as a coach don't don't like line up sometimes it's hard to have like that a one person be able to like unpack it repack it and distribute it to someone because it's really just a function of like maybe you're just a natural and it's hard to articulate that or you don't have the patience i found you know as as someone who's mentored people in the past it takes a certain level of patience to articulate an idea where they have enough of a motivation and enough of an understanding to feel like they can do it. So um, you guys have started to, I guess, train people or even how long you've been training 
uh, people uh, to to get you know get their feet wet in real estate. Yeah, no, it's been it's officially it's been maybe like three years or so, but uh, we mm-hmm. had been doing this previously through just uh, making new relationships and people coming into the fold and asking if we can help them with X, Y, and Z, right? Mm-hmm. But and that would start off with things like property management because when we did start, like we we now manage uh, in and around eight hundred tenancies. And, uh, it's, it's, um, it's, it's a thankless line of work, uh, really property management well, um, Ontario. So like that, that's even, that's even harder. I'm seeing landlords spray painting, like pay your rent on garage doors and yeah, stuff. You saw like, that too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's going across social media. Cause like in Manitoba, we have mediated agreements. If you break that mediated agreement on the note, it says you have five days to get out. Like that's that's landlordship like we own the properties and in ontario um my understanding is that that's really just not the case that it's really really hard to maintain positive let's let's call it maintaining a positive tenancy it's hard to maintain that it's very hard the fact that the term professional tenant exists and it's not a good it's not a it's not a positive uh like it it's not a positive way to describe uh, a situation or uh, a profession. Um, But the fact that that exists is really a mockery of the system, right? The fact that somebody know the rules enough to play the game. Yeah. Like I used to joke with people and say that if I wanted to do this and I had a landlord, no, no one's ever getting paid. Right. (laughs) If I wanted to do that and I could, and I'm pretty sure I could effectively live in a place for at least a year plus, especially in today's climate without paying more than one month just to get in Mm -hmm. and people are hosing landlords all the time and this is where some of the real estate education became important because some of the initial stuff we did in terms of content was how to do n forms like n1s n4s n5s these are all the ontario on your youtube yeah definitely yeah and those are the simple things and that's actually what a lot the basics of what a lot of landlords need to know because they People don't even seem to know that these rules exist uh, and that they have to abide by them. And then people who know how to play the game end up manipulating landlords and uh, people who are used to operating on good faith end up being taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. And there's one thing if you're talking about the big landlord conglomerates, mm-hmm. but it's another when you're talking about the everyday real estate investor who is like yeah, a mom and pop. Trying to like make a few bucks, you know? Exactly. Right. They're not sophisticated investors. They're just like, hey, yeah, we want to build a nest egg or we want to invest in our children. Yeah. Yeah. Right. They're trying to do something. Right. And often the same for retirement. And people are taking it. People sometimes take advantage of it. It doesn't happen all the time. Like the truth is we have 800 tenancies or so. um, And there's like a 3% that Mm -hmm. uh, is that we hear about this problem that is active. It's three percent of that population that our property managers remember these people's names, right? Mm-hmm. That's it. The majority people are pretty decent at large, it seems, when it comes to that stuff. Most people are not conniving and thinking of how to work the system, but it still mm-hmm. highlights a fault in the system. So, how do you help people right. navigate that with your with your either your training or your property management? How do you navigate which seems to be enough of a problem that cbc wants to run a a news article and they want to stand around in front of an apartment or a a unit with the spray paint and interview someone like if it's if it's that loud at least on the the media side how do you help landlords either stay out of that position or if you have some tips for like self-managing people other than like get management that's the i think that's the number one tip you just put that one right on the table get a manager if you're having challenges, like a manager will help you navigate that. But 
for the people who um, maybe are thinking about it, how does your management uh, help people navigate these challenges in Ontario right now? Well, okay. So the management has helped. We we currently don't take on any more clients. Um, and that was going to be, well, yeah, like, and that's also like, when I said that manage, management, it was a thankless job. It's, it's part of the reason why a lot of property managers don't scale beyond a certain point is like, once you have your client base, you just stick with that because you don't want any more headaches. Mm-hmm. But in terms of how you, how we help people through the property management almost is almost like the basis for a lot of the education, a lot of the information. Some people have been landlords for 20 years and say that I've only had these problems like A, B and C problems. Mm-hmm. But because we manage so many properties, we've experienced pretty much everything. It is very unlikely that you will give me ever a situation that I have not experienced at some point through the company. Mm-hmm. So we've seen it all. And because of that, it's a lot of uh, data on what it, on what means what, right? When it comes to how to vet tenants, when it comes to how to uh, assess uh, credit reports, what does a credit report mean? Because people look at it and they see the credit score, but does that tell you the whole story? People need to look at the transaction history yeah, and how to assess them, right? Bit, yeah. yeah, and really you're training you're training property managers, but the thing about that is that uh, you're tr- a lot of people just insist on self-managing, right? It's kind of like people insist on investing nearby so you can touch the property. People want to be involved, right? And that's mm-hmm. okay. And majority of people who need to consume this type of education, they are often beginner people who need to who need a little bit of help. Because where do you go for this type of help? You call mm-hmm. the landlord and tenant board, the landlord self helpline. No, it's a joke. Like that, they're like, uh, we can't tell you what to do. It'd be against the rules. So, yeah, exactly, right. So, so, and and that's what a lot of people tend to want to be. When people say they want to be real estate investors, on some level, they actually are looking to become a landlord. They won't want. They may not want to be the landlord, but they are looking for rental income. Yeah, they want right? that, so, like the benefits of being a property owner. Let's call it property yeah. owner because maybe they don't want to be a landlord, but they want uh, equity and they want, uh, maybe some cash flow, you know, like maybe it's time to own a car wash instead. If you don't want tenants, exactly. Buy a car wash. So exactly, where do you see right? things going? Like where, where over the next three, you know, three to five years, cause things are, things are changing, you know, like, especially in the Ontario market, especially in the BC market where things may have, I don't know, from someone from Winnipeg looking out East going like, man, that stuff's overvalued. There's a correction at hand, and I think we're we, we're all kind of in agreement that Ontario's in some sort of correction. But where do you see things going as someone who's like on the ground and someone who's like dealing with that many units and doing that many things? Where do you see the the market going in Canada, and then particularly in your backyard where, um, where you're doing your management? Um, I see it getting I see it getting strenuous for people. Um, mm-hmm. so. Okay, so I personally, uh, I see it as like a, a bit of a sine wave. Okay, so you have a sine wave where you see the market fluctuating, prices will go up, prices will go down. But um, what happens with the sine wave is that there is a staggered sine wave that also happens when it comes to rent values. Mm-hmm. So right now, with the with the property values being corrected, what do you think or what do you see happening with the rental market? It's going well, up. Yeah, I think it's I think it's going up. And I mean, the number of people who are able to get into a house um, to own with the interest rates, that's going down. And even in Winnipeg, we're seeing something that used to be, let's say, 1900 bucks. Now it's 2100. Something that was 2000 is now like 2300. 
So there's like a couple mm-hmm. hundred more. And I think that's like the renewals are starting to come into and people are buying new properties or getting new mortgages on a refi. And now they're like, oh, when I thought I could rent it for this, I actually have to get rented for that even to break even. So I'm, I'm imagining people are going to start carrying from their own pocket coming up too. So exactly right so with all with with these uh rent increases happening right they're just everything changing the way that it is and uh everything changing the way that it is and uh immigration being what it is because this is the thing and if you look at the stats uh you can see where populations are going highest immigrations of chinese people are going to bc highest yeah, immigration of people <laughs> No, no. Actually, I'll tell you who's coming there because I've been. I, 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 this stuff interests me, so I look into these things quite a bit. But highest immigration of Chinese people going to BC. Highest immigration of Indian people going to Ontario. Mm-hmm. Highest immigration of people from the Philippines. Right there, there you go. You know where well, they're we, going. We've got the. <laughs> we've got like two or three Jollibees now. If you've never had Jollibee chicken, like, oh yeah, like, KFC's done, man. It's over. Yeah, no, Jolly Jollibee Jollibee killed it. And yeah, they work no. they work hard and they and they buy houses and they have six kids and they they're they're great they're great um to have here and I want I would love to see them all come here. No, and honestly here's the thing is that uh, the reason why uh that population is going there is because uh certain countries um let's say China if anybody's coming from China it's it's often money related. I mean mm-hmm. we're we can just be real about this as it affects the real estate market, right? Uh, we we have had enough international students rent complete houses. And we, when we straight up ask them, what's the deal? They tell us straight up what the deal is. Why are they here? They're here, not because they value the education system. A lot of them are here. Also, it provides them an investment avenue. They just want, see, Chinese people, when it comes to uh, their investment philosophy, it's often not about the return on investment, but it's often about the return of investment. They just need to get their money out because I guess back home, they're worried that money might just be taken. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was a huge thing. And you were probably hitting, feeling that in Ontario, but BC was really subjective. That's why they had to put that vacant, uh, that vacant mm-hmm. unit thing because they were just parking money. And I, I would say to some of the, my students that I was working with at the time, like how can you compete with someone whose interest is only to maximize how much they can put into it. They want to offer so much more to the max of securities where they're not like, are you laundering money? So they'll buff that thing into a, a no. position where they can park as much money. So like, how can you even compete with that? And yeah, yeah. definitely um, there's certain amount of like the the style of, of immigration, definitely Ontario. They've got a lot of Indian people coming in. And I think yeah. it's, I think there's a little bit of like a, Hey, I'm having a good time living here come here you know like the same you know the same thing like the filipino people they really enjoy the lifestyle that they they get here in winnipeg and they're oh, yeah. definitely inviting their friends and family like hey we're sponsoring them bringing them over stay in my yeah. house stay in my basement no the truth is no one's forcing anybody to come obviously listen like if you've um i have family in singapore and southeast asia and like I, I've, I've traveled and visited and i i know why people are coming here honestly canada rocks canada kicks ass but mm-hmm. the thing is that what we're trying to take into consideration and put into context is what it does to the economy right with uh with the amount of people who are coming in from different places in the world and the way that they're used to the way that they are comfortable living is going to be very different from the way we are comfortable living here right and this is why you see there's now a rise in Toronto of people literally renting out multiple like beds in rooms which is 
ridiculous. Like live in the same bedroom with someone, three hundred dollars yeah. for that bed, three hundred dollars for that bed. There was a TikTok that just came out where somebody was renting out half of a queen size bed, right? Oh, and so and it was on one side. Yeah, they put that right? pillow fort wall right up the middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 I don't know a hundred percent if like that's okay. Maybe maybe that's what's propping it up. It could just be that with with supply and demand principles. You know, enough people coming in, and they're coming. They're, there's a lot of people coming in, right? Mm-hmm. Like Canada grows about one million people a year when you consider students, because the five hundred thousand benchmark for immigration really only takes into consideration uh, people who are coming here to stay. It doesn't consider all the international students who are here under student visas because that is not considered a uh, a new permanent immigrant or permanent resident or anything like that. So that is not taken into consideration, but these guys are still paying rent somewhere and competing and driving that rental market up. Yeah. Cause you're right crazy. about the fact that they, that, that the, like we, you know, I'm born here, lived here, been in Winnipeg my whole life. And we just like expect that like a family lives in a three bed, one bath, maybe it has a basement, maybe it doesn't have, but that's our space. But then, you know, as a real estate investor, I go in to look at these properties in parts of town where it might be a a Filipino family who have like maxed out the house and they want to sell. So I go in Mm -hmm. and they haven't done any like renovations or anything. They're just like, we're bursting at the seams. And I'm like, what do you mean? And I come in and there's someone living in the porch and they just don't use that door. And there's two beds in the porch and there's a family in one room and it's perfectly fine. And they're having a great time. And it's just like, it's it's really eye opening to see the standard of occup uh, like a, of the way someone occupies a unit is changing. It's like a very cultural thing. Like space isn't such a big deal, but you know, culturally for Winnipeggers, you know, if you're born in Canada, we we're like, oh, that's the great you know the great North. You got all the land you want, so have all the space you want. But yeah, you know, it's like a challenging that mindset. And even in, I was talking to this guy in BC and he said, they're building smaller condo units because they need to de- mm. density to, to meet the demand. So they're going down from like a thousand unit, like kind of open concept condo. And now they're talking about like 650, 700 and the density goes up, but the space is less important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, um, the, is the square footage of, a of, the square footage requirement is definitely shrinking. It's kind of like, you know, when uh, big companies like Coke just kind of give the Coke bottle a little seam in the middle to kind of reduce how much of the shrinking, yeah, now it's what do you get for the same price? <laughs> exactly. Right. So they, they, they're, 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 they're doing the same thing with accommodations. Um, but what we're seeing happen as it pertains to uh, the property value is we're seeing that cycle. So when I was saying the sine wave and then the rents are kind of like lagging behind one staggering, what's going to happen is like, is we're going to start to, people are going to start to look at rent prices and say, oh, well, that's almost a mortgage. Because do you mm-hmm. remember back in the day when you would pay $2,000 rent and you say, hey, like for $700 more, I could be paying a mortgage. Yeah, or even like four five hundred dollars less. Like there's been there was a gap in Winnipeg yeah. where it was like, man, you're paying twice what I pay on my mortgage because it was like one two percent mortgages. So someone would be renting for fifteen hundred when if you owned that house like with a mortgage and you put down whatever five percent, you'd be paying like seven fifty a month. So people were like, oh, I got to get a mortgage. I got to get a mortgage. But right now we're seeing that like pivoting where it's like it's costing landlords more than what they can charge in Winnipeg right now. Absolutely. So it so that is right now, right? Mm-hmm. And I see this as a very similar thing 
to when I was initially investing in Hamilton and people are just like, it, it doesn't make sense to buy these properties right now. It doesn't make sense to buy in Hamilton right now. It doesn't make sense to be a landlord right now because real estate prices and interest rates are so high, the rents don't pay for it. You cannot cash flow. You can barely break even anymore. Mm-hmm. And when things are stressful, go do the opposite. Mm-hmm. Go do the opposite of what everybody is inclined to do. When everybody's inclined to play it safe and, and people who say, you know how many people I've seen get out of the real estate market now because they're just like, it's cheaper to rent. Yeah. How hard do you think it's going to be for them to jump back in in a few years? Do you think it's going to be easier or harder? Realistically, yeah, m- well, much more difficult because the it's a supply and demand. Like it's not it's not the real estate uh, business; it's the real estate market, and market is subject to supply and demand, supply and demand. So when when what I'm seeing right now, and you're probably seeing that the similar is that I almost I said it at a networking event. I was talking, and it's almost like a bubonic plague of investors. Like one in ten of us are going to survive, or nine of us have quit, and it's actually making a lot of space for people that are gritty enough to say, you know what, like, I don't have to go crazy, but I'm not quitting in this in this environment. Exactly, actually. And I think you just hit on a point that is a great opportunity for me to segue into one of the original things we're talking about. And I don't know how much time we have, but I feel yeah, like I this is important to mention. Okay, cool. Because like, here's the thing. Investors often talk about cash flow restraints, cash flow problems, problems with income, right? Especially those who invest in equity shares and they don't really get enough income today because they're actually putting in the sweat in order to gain that equity. And that mm-hmm. equity is now looking like it's going to be less and less and less and less because think property's value is declining. So they're getting really nervous. But the difference between those people and people who are in real estate business being a real estate business person is completely different. You will also likely be a real estate investor. But the thing is that we know there's money in real estate. But you know what? There's also a lot of money in is, is there's money in the services around real estate. Yeah, real from, estate adjacent. Exactly, right? And the thing is that oftentimes, and we see this because I do a lot of house flipping and we teach people how to flip houses. And I see it time and time again where a whole project goes through and an investor invested a whole ton of money. They hired a contractor, they they hired a realtor, they hired this, that, and the other. And you know who made money out of that whole project? You know who made the most money out of the whole project? The stager, (laughs) the the contractor, the person who lent the money, the mortgage broker, the 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 contractor, everyone, everyone else. That's that's the thing, right? And the thing about that is that there's the sexier the profession, uh, the more competitive it is. Um, But the non-sexy professions in real estate, like the construction guys, mm-hmm. uh, like the property managers, mm-hmm. uh, like anybody who has to deal with the things that you know you you don't think, hey, I want to go do that. That's all the yeah, stuff that clear, pays go extremely clean up well. The, uh, Airbnb a unit after the party, like that that yeah. pays well, and it's not the glamorous. That's like the trash of the the trash guy of the business. But someone's got to clean that unit, and you can make a business that's real yeah. estate adjacent cleaning units. Exactly. Right. And what's Canada's prerogative right now, you know, and looping back to immigration, right? Because we apparently have a problem where we can't seem to build, uh, we can't build housing fast enough. And yeah. what is it that's more expensive here in terms of labor than is more than is that is cheaper in most of actually most of anywhere else in the world really is any of the laborious jobs. 
right? Like one of the things I see very often is that you look at professions like nursing, you look at professions like people who are in construction, you look at plumbers, electricians, you go, you put them in Asia, they, they make, they make peanuts. They don't mm-hmm. make a lot of money over here. And our biggest immigration sources are from countries where they have lots of people doing those types of professions and they're going to come mm-hmm. here. And if they can get licensed to do this work here, they are going to outcompete. They're making bank here, first of all. And they're going to outcompete a lot yeah, of the local populations right now. Yeah, they're happy with of them. Course. And, and the, the because for them, it's like not interested. Exactly. Right. So that that's that's the thing that, that we're going to start seeing happen. And people who are in real estate business have a good opportunity. And if those people also leverage their capacity to buy real estate, they have a home field advantage. Personally, I believe that there's no reason why anybody who's in construction should not be a real estate investor. You have such an advantage and you can keep your crew busy on your downtime. There's mm-hmm. no reason why you shouldn't be a real estate investor. A lot of them say, well, I don't want to be a landlord. Who told you to be a landlord? Flip some houses, you know, keep your guys <laughs> right? busy. I know my, one of my main contractors, that's what he does. I'm like, you bought it for what? And you're selling it for what? Like, how did you make any money? He's like, well, I don't, but I get to keep my key trades when in some pieces, parts of my business, I would have to like, not lay them off, but tell them like, there's no work this week. You know, maybe you're a mm-hmm. plumber or whatever. Instead of like laying your guy off, you send them to your project house. And they always have these like four or five project houses, these like GCs. And that's where I'm seeing a lot of these people really tapping that double, the double tap is like, you can use these projects to keep your key trade people busy so that they're not bought by another guy who's busier because then all of a sudden you need your carpenter and he's not at your disposal but if you can keep them working on your stuff then they're available when you actually need them for you know your your core business so um we could probably go on forever and ever and (laughs) in the day like canadian real estate is is definitely a a talking point right now and there's lots to talk about but how can people because clearly you know you know you've got uh, your finger on the pulse how can people connect with you how can people um, learn from you? Like, give us some ways to connect with you. And then, um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're, you know, time flies when we're having fun. So how can they reach out to you? Yeah, honestly, Instagram is the easiest way. Just uh, my handle is andrew.parashis. Uh, you search me up uh, and I put out tons of content on how to be a landlord, how to flip real estate. And I put up and then I put up, we have training programs on how it is that you can break into it. Like I said earlier, one of the most challenging things that I found when I was trying to hire coaches was that uh, relatability factor. It seemed like people might have done great things, but they couldn't necessarily help me because they didn't understand me. So we really try hard to understand what it is that you need. What are your strengths and advantages and teach you how to leverage them so you can get in. So if you want to connect, honestly, Instagram is the way and we're really looking forward to meeting people. So by all means awesome awesome well like i said we could go on forever but um you know people there's, there's other podcasts and we'll we'll definitely have to have this conversation um again and uh, i really appreciate you for stopping by andrew okay appreciate the talk soon thank you bye-bye